Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey everybody, JJ Cooper, Kyle Blazer, another Baseball America Prospect Podcast today. We are, we are basically almost we are coming up to the halfway point of the 2022 minor league season not that far away started in april here we are in june and i think we can all just celebrate the fact that it's the first normal minor league season we've had starts on the scheduled start date rolling along that we've had since 2019 but that also means that we have a lot to dive into if you check it out at baseballamerica.com We've done full updates of every team's top 30. And we also just last week rolled out a comprehensive re-rank of our top 100, where we ran it by multiple pro scouting directors, scouts, coaches, front office officials, got a lot of feedback, tried to actually like, again, we started with where we were. We didn't start at a blank slate, but we dove in, we moved guys up and down. There's a lot of movement in this. Today, what we want to talk about, Kyle, is guys who are, who've really taken steps forward. And we're not going to give you everyone that was in the top 100 of the big movers up, but we are going to give you some. And Kyle, I think it is only fitting, and I'll give a mea culpa here, which is, is I'm only fitting that we're going to start with one of the best rookie pitchers in baseball this year in the major leagues, and one that you were always stayed with, you were always a believer and I will admit that I may have been on the more skeptical side, especially last year when his stuff backed up and his control backed up and all that. But but I'll just put it this way, Kyle. Mackenzie Gore, what has happened? How did he get back to where he was a few years ago after uh, a 2020 season where he wasn't ready to help him at the big league level when they could use the help and a 2021 season that led him to being shut down for a while sit back to kind of rebuild things and all that. How did he get back to here? Yeah, well, well, first of all, I think we have to define what here is. And what here is, is he has a 1.50 ERA through his first nine career major league appearances, eight of them starts, and he's only getting better. Uh, in his last 22 innings, he's allowed one earned run. We're seeing everything just continue to get better uh, from his first major league start, uh, which I was at against the Braves all the way through a couple of good outings in Cincinnati had his one sort of just kind of blippy start um, against the Cubs a few weeks back. But since then he's been just dominating everyone. And it, it's really, really cool to see. Uh, he was very fastball heavy early, which a lot of pitchers are when they first come up. We're starting to see the slider really come through and be an out pitch for him. And the thing is he hasn't even really used his changeup all that much. And that's his best, most consistent secondary pitch. So he's been dominant and there's still room to get even better. If he uses that changeup a little bit more. I think the biggest thing with Mackenzie Gore, and there's a, there's a lot of factors at play here. So first and foremost is as an industry in general and, and front office officials openly acknowledge this, look, everyone's human. You see a guy, a shooting star through the low minors, you get really excited and then he hits a little bit of a speed bump in the upper levels. You go, oh, okay. And then you kind of 
look for the next shooting star coming up the lower minors and you know with Mackenzie Gore and and there's a broader discussion to be had here about high school pitchers and I've written about this extensively we talked about extensively look it doesn't matter how good they are it doesn't matter how high they were drafted it doesn't matter how amazing they looked when they first arrived it's going to take five years minimum for them to get established in a major league rotation. And that's if they're ahead of schedule. It's going to take six years on average. And if it takes seven, they're still fine. There's a lot of guys it took seven years for, and they're totally fine. Tyler Glasnow being one of them. So I think some of it is, look, if you are a high school pitcher, it's going to take a while. And as fans, front office officials, prospect people, you know, whatever you are, something will go sideways. And there's a big difference between a guy who comes up, looks really good, scouting reports are there, the stuff is there, everything's there, and he just goes sideways in the upper levels, like Lucas Giolito, Tyler Glasnow, Mackenzie Gore. And guys who, once they get into pro ball, and immediately, as soon as they show up, it's like, oh, no, this guy isn't very good. Tyler Kolek was a guy like that. The second he got into pro ball, it was like, oh, this isn't good. So it's really important to differentiate between those two types of high school draftees but, and then understand those guys. It, it's just going to take a while. So that's first and foremost, I think, in general. Let me add one thing with those is that what's tricky about this is it doesn't always go that way. Though Robert Stevenson, to me, would be an example of a guy who he came in, first-round pick, Reds take first-round pick, goes to low A, dominates, and then hit the speed bump when he got to the upper levels of the minors and effectively, I mean, he's pitched in the majors, but effectively has never recovered from that. That's where this gets tricky is, is there also are guys who dominate the lower minors, get to the upper minors, seem to still have stuff in some cases, even, I mean, Mitch Keller, I don't want to rule out in any way. I kind of think that that's a guy who needs a change of scenery, but Mitch Keller couldn't, again, maybe he's still in his figuring it out phase, but Mitch Keller couldn't have been better in class A than he was, but it, you know, so that's where this gets tricky is, is the hope is, and a lot of these guys do Giolito is a perfect example of this, who was as bad as you could be for a stretch at AAA Charlotte, like the stuff had backed up. He was getting a terrible place to pitch home runs fly out of there. It was getting rocked, reassessed, reevaluated, kind of changed how he pitched, like really kind of changed his pitch selection a lot, changed his delivery. But it's also, would you agree, it's it's one of those things where that is a normal path, but you also can't also be confident that if a guy hits those bumps in double-A, triple-A, sometimes they don't figure their way back either is the tricky part. And that and that's where, you know, kind of just goes back to really, really trusting scouts, evaluators, what they're seeing. And, and also you kind of give a little bit of an extra point bump to lefties um, in a lot of cases. And also just yes. high the... Uh, the praise was coming in and what they showed you before you mentioned Giolito. Yeah. I remember seeing him, you know, pitch for Charlotte 90, 94 with no command and he was able to figure some things out. Um, but going back to Mackenzie Gore, um, the story's up on baseballamerica.com. I wrote about it back in April. You know, there was no silver bullet, right? There was no one thing where all of a sudden it just clicked and everything was back. And just to be clear, I mean, Mackenzie Gore was an absolute mess mentally, physically. His delivery was all over the place. Um, and he talked about it um, both in kind of the group media scrum. And when I talked to him about it one on one afterward, I mean, he even acknowledged it. He was completely lost. He had no idea where the baseball was going. 
And that's a really, really, really tough place to be as a pitcher. You're not only competing against the guy in the box, you're competing against yourself. Um, he was really, really, really down pretty far just mentally um, when he kind of reached his low point in 2020 and, and 2021 when he got sent back to Arizona to kind of rebuild his delivery. And even when he came back, I mean, he talked about it. It's not like he came back out of Arizona in the complex and it was all figured out. He was he was struggling a lot. Um, it really was in the fall league when even though the results weren't great, he started to feel a little better. Um, you know, the Padres could see it. He felt it. He was getting down the mound. The delivery was in a better place. The stuff was coming out better. And we did see the velocity come back in the fall league. And that was the first hint of like, okay, this is positive. Now we just have to see the command part of it. And it, it just took time. But he slowly but surely figured it out. Um, again, it, it was, you know, focus on his athleticism, his mechanics, his mentality. It was all of it. There's no one thing here. There's no one delivery tweak. There's no one mind, you know, mental adjustment. Um but yeah, it's, it's, it's a testament to him. Again, it's a kid who you always saw the athleticism. You always saw the stuff. The delivery was going to be complicated. He was able to you know, smooth it out a little bit. And then so much of it was just mental. Um, I mean, the quote, he, he said, you know, I mean, there was always doubt, especially when I was throwing the ball everywhere like that. There were some times where it was like I had no idea where the ball was going. And there was definitely doubt. I mean, that, that's a really tough place to get back from. And there's a lot of pitchers and baseball players in general, um, you know, the hitter version of that who don't and you give the kid a lot of credit for having the mental strength and it's interesting too i've noticed a maturity in him when i interviewed him you know at lake elsinore um back in 2019 and got to know him there he was extremely intense very very you know it was almost you know you almost didn't want to be in his way um after a start he was so you know you could feel the heat coming off of him and that's great you love that comp that competitor in him you love that fire but there are times we see guys who are like that. The, the fire kind of consumes them a little bit. I talked about this with Jared Kalanick. Um, talking to him in the majors, he's, he's much looser. He has a little more, hey, you know, a little more perspective, a little more just, all right, I'm gonna go out there, I'm going to compete. I, I can be that assassin on the mound, but just kind of knowing how to balance it all better. So um, you give him all the credit in the world. And, you know, for me, I, I, I felt like, you know, left-hander, this stuff, you know, this athleticism, you know, I wouldn't have run him into the top 50 after everything that happened the last couple of years. I thought that there were re there was reason to keep him at the back of the top 100 when you compared him to some of the other guys in that 85 to 100 range. And he's exceeded even that. So, so give him all the credit in the world. And it's cool to see it, you know, kind of all come back. It, so far, we're having a really interesting year for young pitchers, young rookie pitchers. I think Hunter Green's had a had a career of ups and downs in the stretch of basically like 55 innings, uh, you know, 52 innings or whatever it is now, because he's had he's had some he's he's had effectively a no, I mean, basically a no hitter. He's had another outing where he allowed a bunt single, and that's it. He's also had outings where pretty much anyone stepping to the plate hit a homer against him. He's had that. We've had but there's been a number of guys. It's it's been an interesting rookie pitching class. Going down into the minors, if if Mackenzie Gore has been on the radar for a very long time, going back to his amateur days, and you know, it's one of the top high school pitching prospects in a in a draft class. Vinny Pasquatino, the uh the Royals first baseman, that's not his story. Vinny Pasquatino went to Old Dominion, kind of had his sophomore year at old at ODU derailed by an injury was supposed to go to the Cape that summer. 
again, because of the back injury, didn't get to go. Had a good junior year. Royals draft him. And ever since then, he's been a very rare combo of power and patience. Kyle, like what, what stands out to you for good? And also what concerns do you have with Vinny Pasquantino? I mean, first and foremost, just tip your cap to the kid and what he's done since, uh, you know, becoming professional. I mean, last year, first full season, he was straight, you know, he got up to double A. I mean, hit for average, hit for power, as many walks as strikeouts. He's up in triple A right now and, and continuing to show it that, you know, it's real. And, you know, it, it's funny. We've talked a lot about this, um, and I, I can't take any credit for this. Credit for this goes to you for Jordan Alvarez and, and Matt Eddy for Pete Alonso. But um, I know of all the you know prospect ranking places, you know, we had Jordan Alvarez higher than, than anyone else. And I, I believe we had Pete Alonso higher than anyone else as well. And I think it's because sometimes people get lost in, oh, you know, first base only, corner bad, athleticism. But if you can rake, you can rake. And guys who rake are stars in the major leagues, as Jordan Alvarez and Pete Alonso are. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to put that on Vinny Pasquantino, but look, he's a first baseman only. He will never win a 60-yard dash. He will never uh, grade out incredibly well on all these, you know, athletic metrics that are out there. But he controls the strike zone. He makes a lot of contact. And when he hits the ball, he hits it hard. Those are three really, really, really good things that bode for success in the major leagues. And again, scouts are buying in. He's one of those guys who's going to have to prove it. But, you know, they've talked about it. The guy can just hit in every single way you want to see. And, you know, whether he's a left-handed version of Royals first base masters of years past, like a Billy Butler or Mike Sweeney, you know, we have to see it just in terms of production. But, I mean, that that's what we're talking about. I think the one thing that, you know, is is – I want to call it a red flag, but something to watch, you know, when you kind of dive in a little more at, you know, what he's doing at AAA, you know, one of the things that's come up is against, you know, higher velocity fastballs, so 93 miles and above, uh, according to Synergy Sports, he's only hitting 200 on fastballs 93 and above. Now, he's connecting hard on some. Um, he hasn't seen that many of them, but he does have a, you know, a good slugging percentage against them. But um, on the whole, he hasn't fared especially well against those. And he's really, really struggled against breaking balls as well. What he's really doing is destroying low-velocity fastballs and change-ups. And again, I mean, look, you have to hit mistakes. If you miss mistakes, you're, you're not going to be successful in the major leagues. But um, I think that's just really the thing you want to see is because, you know, one criticism is the swing is a little stiff. It's not, you know, the loosest swing in the world. And, you know, how, again, how is that going to play against high velocity and, and good breaking stuff? Um, but at the same time, you know, he's a guy who has shown the ability to adjust. He has shown the ability to play up to the competition level once he gets there. And he, he's got to be in Kansas City very, very soon. I mean, the Royals are 17 and 37. They're going nowhere. Um, I think my biggest criticism of them during some of, you know, what's supposed to be their kind of coming out period of their rebuild, one is, is their pitcher development. They have not done their pitchers any favor with how they've rushed them or some of the things they're doing with them but they're also just wasting too many at bats on guys who are just not good anymore. Um, they were doing it with Alberto Mondesi before he got hurt. I mean, Carlos Santana is, is just done. It's, it's time to swallow that one and, and get some, get Pasquantino in there. So um, he, he's earned his shot. He's, a, he's emerged as a, as a good prospect. Scouts are buying in with what he's doing at AAA. He still has some things to prove, but uh, his time is coming in Kansas city. And, and frankly, it should already have come. The thing that stands out when you talked about his kind of rare combo here last year, 
60 in high A and double A, 64 extra base hits, and also 64 strikeouts. You almost never see anyone nowadays produce as many extra base hits as strikeouts in the uh, withtastic world that we live in now. And, and that really kind of stood out. It's not been much different than that this year as well. So far this year, I believe it is uh, 31 extra base hits, 32 strikeouts. So it sits there. Basically, his walks, his extra base hits, and his strikeout numbers always seem to be generally living in the same area, which is very impressive. And to kind of echo your point, it's not just Carlos Santana. I, If you look at the Royals, the players that the Royals play at first base on a relatively, I would describe, regular basis right now, none of them, and I do mean Carlos Santana at one point in his career, you could say, was better than Pasquantino is now. I think that that's an argument, and that's a very good one. Carlos Santana Absolutely. was really Carlos, good. Carlos Santana was a great player for a long time. He's just he's 36. That, that time has passed. <laughs> yes. Take him out of it. Take that out. If you say, okay, well, what about the other guys? Ryan O'Hearn. Ryan O'Hearn has never, with the exception of a month and a half span in the big leagues when he arrived, but if you look at Ryan O'Hearn season by season, Ryan O'Hearn has never in his career in the minors or the majors done what Vinny Pasquantino is doing now. If you look at Hunter Dozier, who I know can place in third place in other positions, but they play Hunter Dozier at first. Hunter Dozier has never had the production that Vinny Pasquantino has had basically everywhere he has gone in the minor leagues so far. So I, these are not guys who should be standing in your way. And with, with Vinny, I, I don't think that you can say at this point, I would struggle to say, oh, the problem is he needs more minor league at bats. No, <laughs> as compared to a lot of very productive big league sluggers, he's gotten a lot of at bats. Again, I think you know, some of it, and get, you know, Hunter Dozier did have that really good year in 2019. He's been okay this year. Um, I, I think ultimately it's just going to come down to, again, there are always things to work on. Again, maybe the Royals do want to see him make some adjustments when he starts, you know, seeing some of that higher velocity fastball, certain fastball, certain matchups in AAA, or throw him out there against a, a spin dark, a spin doctor, and you know, see how he makes some adjustments against the better breaking stuff. I, and I understand that there are always things to work on in the minors. And, and those are two things that the data shows he does need to work on them. If they want to wait for that, that's fine. That's their prerogative. Um, but as, as a scout, I talked to the other week said, there's no excuse for having Ryan O'Hearn in the big leagues and not Vinny Pasquantino. You're just not making yourself a better team present or future by doing that. So and, we'll, we'll and, see, but it's got to come soon. As you said, Carlos Santana, too. I mean, it's right. Not Santana's not, not, but you know, at least Santana, if you want to argue leadership and OBP, and maybe Pasquantino has more they want to work on, fine, whatever. I don't buy it. I don't think anyone does, but at the very least, there's no reason for Ryan O'Hearn to be in the majors over Vinny Pasquantino. Again, that doesn't help the team present or future. So um, we'll see. Again, Pasquantino is a, a good hitter who, who keeps proving it. His time is coming. Now, we want to dive into two of the most exciting center field prospects in the game. But before we do that, we have a quick break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. 
Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. And we're back. So, Kyle, two other of the big movers, I would say, so far, and two of the more breakout guys of the 2022 minor league season so far. By the way, we haven't forgot you, Corbin Carroll. You you also fit in this category, but we're going to talk about some other guys. But Kyle, Jackson Churio and Pete Crow Armstrong are, are probably, I would say, two of the guys who at the Class A level, center fielders at the Class A level, who've really emerged this year. Churio's 18, Pete Crow Armstrong, it's kind of we're, we're getting to see it this year because he had a, a 2021 that was kind of derailed by injuries. You've gotten to see, uh, you made a trip to Myrtle Beach. You got to see Pete Crow Armstrong earlier this year. What stands out about those two players and why why is it that they have uh, jumped up in the top 100? Yeah, we'll start with PCA. I think the thing that stands out is just the combination of ability and polish. I think we need to go back and remember that Pete Crow Armstrong at one time was considered the very top prospect in the 2020 draft class. Um, he went into that showcase summer, struggled a little bit, kind of fell backward. Uh, but he went, came back out his senior spring and was off to a red hot start, was absolutely destroying baseballs, answering every question scouts had uh, based on the summer. But the season's shut down. It was shortened. And because of that, you know, he's one of many guys in that draft class that in an alternate reality, you know, COVID doesn't hit and the season plays out, he probably doesn't last until, you know, the 17th pick or the 19th pick, excuse me. He goes, he goes above that. So um, the Cubs, again, getting him for, for half a season of hobby Baez was, was a coup. And again, the Mets are perfectly fine. It's, it's not an issue. They're doing great right now, but um, yeah, I think the biggest thing with him was after his shoulder injury, uh, six games into the season last year, there were questions about is the swing going to come back? What's the strength going to look like? When I went out and saw him at Myrtle Beach, you saw just an impressive, impressive approach um, and just masterful understanding of the strike zone, ability to lay off close pitches, 
find a pitch to hit, put a good swing on it, make consistent contact, played an absolutely gorgeous center field, just made it look so natural and easy out there, good arm. And when I was out there, he wasn't really driving that many baseballs. It was a lot of contact. It was a lot of contact on the ground, so a little bit soft. But one of the things that he talked about, and I wrote about it in my story that's uh, online at baseballamerica.com right now, you can go back and read, he was still like a month away from his shoulder being back to 100% strength-wise. He was still, everything was working in terms of just, you know, flexibility and, and range of motion. The strength was still being built up in it. And so you wanted to see, okay, in a month, how much stronger is it going to be? How much harder is it going to be hitting the baseball? Well, as that month progressed from the time I left, he just kept hitting balls harder and harder and harder. Recently got promoted to South Bend and just hit a ball three, uh, 439 feet to dead center on what looked like a pretty easy swing. I mean, the strength is coming back, and that was the last piece of it. Um, you know, people talk about five-tool players a lot. There are very, very, very few of them in Major League Baseball. Pete Armstrong has a real chance to be one. It's no doubt plus contact with, with his bat-to-ball skills and approach. It's a 70 defender in center field who's going to win gold gloves. It's absolutely an above average or better arm. It's plus or better speed with, you know, really, really good base running instincts and aggressiveness. And now they start to hit balls harder. If you can get them to, to 15 to 20 home run power, I mean, that's one of the most well-rounded players in Major League Baseball in center field, especially. And um, he has a chance to be a special player. Now, again, it was mostly low A. He just got to high A. It's a big adjustment period level, level of competition. He has to prove it still. Um, but the talent is there. The makeup is there. The mindset is there. Uh, he was one of the guys early, you know, I saw him well, just talking to scouts. I haven't gotten a bad report on him. Every single person I've talked to loves this guy. And, and you I mean, you know, JJ, you don't find that very often. A lot of players, oh. even the very best players, normally there's someone who's lower on him. I have yet to find that guy about Pete Crow Armstrong. <laughs> oh, and by the way, when you go back to his high school days, I mean, we talked about his defense. That's what, for all his many tools, it, you could have fun discussions. And we, I think we had them, in fact, actually. Like, what is your favorite PCA catch over the showcase circuit, over his time with USA Baseball? Because there were a lot of highlight catches that he provided. Again, you've got that center field defense. And in addition, you add all this. That's a very promising development for the Cubs. Speaking of that, talk about a very promising development for the Brewers. Jackson Churio arrived a few weeks late to the start of the uh, 2022 season, was held back in the complex for a couple of weeks. Ever since then, pretty much all he's done is hit. Yeah, this is uh, certainly probably the, the biggest riser uh, just in the, in the general prospect world so far this year. And, you know, two months into the season, you, you start to get a larger sample size. Um, he was someone who stood out in minor league spring training. Um, I, I do my story every year where I talk to scouts about who are standing out, who are the players standing out to them in spring training. And normally it's major leaguers, but the way things played out this year and coverage assignments, uh, a lot of guys were seeing a lot more minor leaguers. And Shuria was one of the first names that came up, uh, both for what he could do in center field and what he could do at the plate, um, the ability, the instincts, all of it. And then follow that up. We started hearing an extended spring, like, hey, He's like hitting bombs like day after day after day, just raking. It's like, okay, like this continues to sound pretty good. And he gets up to full season ball and hits the ground running. Uh, it's been really just a, a fantastic start. Uh, Josh Norris, uh, 
I think most of you who follow him on Twitter know uh, there's been a lot of Jackson Cheerio content on there recently, uh, a lot of video, a lot of still photos, uh, just a lot of, a lot of discussion uh, about Jackson Cheerio and, and how impressive he's been. Again, it is a small sample. We're still talking about less than 100 plate appearances at low A ball. Um, and one thing we do have to keep in mind, and this applies to, to Pete Armstrong as well, um, we talked about how minor league reorganization has, has led to adjustments and what each level represents talent-wise. Low A now is worse than low A used to be because you have a lot of pitchers, especially, who would have been in short season ball are now in low A. So you have to keep in mind, I, I talked to a scout about this the other day, so you know, you see all the statistics comparing him to what Tatis and Soto and Vlad Jr. did at low A. It's not the same because the pitching he's facing in low A is worse than the pitching they were facing in low A. Um, but it's still, it's still been loud. You see the tools, you see the ability. I need to correct myself. He's up to 130 plate appearances now in low A. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's a special player. Um, even, even the same scout who cautioned all those things about, Hey, low A right now is not as good as low A was a few years ago, just with reorganization. He still said he put an all-star grade on Jackson Churio. Um, just a, a special, special talented player who, can do a lot of things for you, you know, power, speed, defense, center field. It's all there. And uh, I mentioned this in the chat. Someone asked, is he the top prospect in the Brewers organization? There are a lot of people, both inside and outside the organization, who say yes and say yes very quickly without any hesitation. Um, and that's just a testament to how good and how impressive he's been. And again, it's not just here, right? He was a top signee out of Venezuela. He hit really, really, really well in the DSL last year. As I mentioned, he was really impressive and jumped out in minor league spring training, continued in extended spring training, and now he's doing it full season ball. It's, it's a short track record, but at the same time, it's kind of a long one. He's basically always been good for as long as he's been a professional. Yeah, it, it's, it's been very impressive to watch. And again, when you talk about potential five-tool standouts, this is another guy who has that possibility because he's showing both hitting – the, the rest of it, the, the arm may not be at 70 level or anything like that, but the rest of the tools have a chance to be plus, which that's a true, a five tool player. You need to have five sixes on the card. That's where it gets really hard. There aren't a whole lot of guys who have five sixes. I would say to be a true five tool, cheap five tool is you have five fifty fives or five fifties uh, on the card. But to wrap this up, Kyle, um, I did want to spotlight, we've already picked on one cup, but I want to bring up one other one because this is a recent addition to the back end of our hundred. But again, another guy who's kind of the fruits of, uh, we talked about Pete Crow Armstrong, who they picked up in trade. One of the key things we see with rebuilding teams is if you nail those trades, it makes a difference. Getting Pete Crow Armstrong, that looks really, really valuable for the Cubs now. But on top of that, Getting Caleb Killian, who has gone out and I would say is a better pitcher now than what he looked like a couple of years ago. What does he do for the Cubs now? And what did you see? He made his major league debut this past weekend. What, what have you seen? Well, he gives them the pitching they needed. Um, the Cubs have long struggled to develop homegrown pitching. And, and technically, Caleb Killian's not homegrown because he was drafted by the Giants, started in their system, and uh, was acquired as part of the Chris Bryant trade at the deadline last year. Uh, but the Cubs just historically have not had a lot of good pitchers come up from their system, whether they were acquired as prospects or, or drafted and developed. And th that's been a real focal point for the organization is we, we got to have more 
pitchers in our minor league system we can call upon, stick in a rotation, and, and let them go and be effective. And Caleb Killian looks like that guy. Um, it's just another reminder of, you know, we talk so much about, oh, the high school pitcher, super projectable, he'll add velocity, and then we assume the college pitcher just is what he is, and that's rarely true. These are still 21, 22-year-olds. Yeah, that's just not yeah. true. Yeah, I mean, they're, these are still 21, 22-year-olds. You know, no one out there is – not no one, but very few people out there are the biggest, strongest, fastest they've, they're ever going to be at 21, 22. There's still more to come at 26, 27, 28. Um, so he's another guy who, who always showed really good strike-throwing ability, you know, complete pitch mix, and got in the pro ball, got stronger, made some mechanical tweaks, started throwing harder – without sacrificing any of that control. And we've seen it just continue this year at AAA. He was up to you know, sitting at 94 and getting up to 98, 99, which, I mean, JJ, you had Texas in the draft. If I told you out of Texas Tech that Caleb Killian would be sitting 94, 95, touching 98, what would you have said in 2019? I would have said, wow, what kind of development program did he get into? Because <laughs> that's not the guy, I mean, that we were talking about coming out of, but this is also, this is another example, I would say, of how evaluations have changed because we wrote about this last year and we talked about how it used to be the thought was, is that, that okay, you would draft arm strength and then develop control and command. And now what we've kind of flipped to see is a lot of times control and command is the more difficult thing to develop. Whereas arm strength is something that there are a lot of training programs now, leg programs, a lot of different things that help guys add velocity. I'm looking at, here's our scouting report. He was an eighth rounder and the scouting report I wrote at the time said, he's a sum of the parts pitcher with solid, but unspectacular stuff that works because of location and feel. Well, his low 90s fastball, curveball, and changeup are all average pitches. Well, but he walked two per nine. He had control. He had command. He knew how to use three pitches. If all of a sudden you say, we're going to supersize those, and all of a sudden now you have more velocity, which not just adds to your fastball, but adds to your breaking ball, makes your changeup play better. Well, then you really got something. And that's an example of development and kudos to Caleb Killian. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's now a plus fastball. It's a plus curveball. Uh, the cutter and changeup are still average, but he can fill up the strike zone with all of them. He can really manipulate his fastball and cut, sink it, or ride it. Uh, and, and again, he kept that good feel for changing speeds and moving the ball around the strike zone. And now we're seeing it. Um, again, the Cubs, this is, this is going to be a, a long rebuild. This will not be quick. Uh, that's like I've, I've kind of talked about at nausea. Um, rebuilds like this typically take four years from the time you do it. So 2021 is when they started it. 2025 would be when the payoff comes with the additional postseason spot. Um, maybe that can be shortened a little bit, but it's still 2024 at the earliest. But um, having a guy like this is big. You know, when they acquired Caleb Killian, he was not considered the top prospect in that trade. Alexander Canario was the, the power hitting corner outfielder who was now double A. And Killian just, again, he was really starting to take off in the Giants system and he really took off. We got to the Cubs system. I saw him through six perfect innings, saw him throw six perfect innings uh, in the uh, Arizona Fall League Championship game last year. He was 91 94, touching 96 at that time. And seeing him take another jump now, it's. 
it's impressive. And uh, he's on the top 100 for a reason. The stuff ticked up, the performance is there, and now he's in the majors. And if everything goes the way people think it will, he'll be in the majors for a long time. So there's, there's some of the guys who stood out. If this, if you enjoyed this and you're a Baseball America subscriber, I've got good news because we have a lot more stories about top 100 guys who've taken steps forward, guys who are on the, the cusp of the top 100, things like that. If you're not a Baseball America subscriber, you can go over to baseballamerica.com, click store. Within two minutes, you can join the club and become a Baseball America subscriber. We thank you all, those who are subscribers. You all are what allow us to do what we do. We love doing what we do. We thank you because it is. we want to provide the best information we can. That takes a lot of work, but we love doing the work, and we do that because of our Baseball America subscribers. Kyle? It's going to be fun. We've got the draft rolling on. We've got the all-star weeks. Not right. Futures game rosters should be announced before too long. A lot coming up. It's going to be fun. But uh, but now we we dive back into uh, trying to figure out, you know, you're, you're working on a lot of a variety of different things. We're both involved with the draft to some extent. There's a lot going on. But so for Kyle Glazer, I'm JJ Cooper. So long, everybody. <laughs>